Okay, let's dive into the word this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 26, if you want to turn in your Bibles. Um, I have a word that I'm really strong and big in my heart today that I believe is going to help somebody. Uh, Genesis chapter 26, we'll get there in just a minute. How many of you know that everything in our culture right now is obsessed and fascinated with the new? The new lines out the door for the new iPhone when it's released every year. I entire weekends spent binge-watching the latest episode of the new show that you want to watch. Uh, new music that's released on your Apple Music, you know, goes to the top. It, the, the, the new music goes to the top. The old slides down. In other words, uh, our culture is fascinated with new, and that's because we add up that new is better than old. Uh, by the way, does anybody... Um, buy into the conspiracy theory that there's not very many that I buy into but there is one anyone else buy into the conspiracy theory that they purposefully slow down uh, your old phone in order to like prompt you to buy the new phone it's amazing like right when the new iPhone's coming out it's like your battery is terrible all of a sudden or something and anyways uh, you know we, we're, we're fascinated with the new we want the new we buy the new I think it's because we add up that new is faster new is better New is sexier. New is going to somehow make my life uh, better. Our, our, our culture is in the process of remaking everything. You know, it used to be um, instant, and now everything is contactless. Everything is now curbside pickup. You know, you can order your groceries that way. You can order your food that way. Hey, you can even go on an app and get a relationship that way. I mean, we're in the process of remaking all things New, our, our, our culture, you know, a year or two ago even invented some language around this. There was a phrase that popped up uh, that was sounded like this, okay, boomer. In, in other words, it was like this way to say, hey, your way doesn't work anymore. You know, that's old. Let me offer you something new. We, we like new. We add up that new is better. But this morning, I want to make a case for something for us for just a minute. I want to kind of make an argument for us on something today that if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, if we're going to live lives as potent believers that I believe we're called to live in this season, because how many of you know the stakes have never been higher? Our, our world desperately needs healthy, thriving, strong local churches right outside your doors and our doors is a world that is dying, that is heaving to know Jesus. And we, we have the hope that the world needs. And I, I believe if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be in this hour, I actually believe that there are some things that we're going to need to get back to. There are some things that we're going to need to return to. So today I want to issue you a challenge. I want to call us higher and call us back to some things for a few minutes today. And if you're taking notes and looking for a title, here's your title. Today, I want to call us to redig the wells. Redig the wells. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, redig the wells. Now turn to your second choice neighbor and say, redig the wells. And apologize, and you may be seated if you're still standing. Genesis 26 and verse 18 it says this, then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. 
for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. I, w- I want you to see a couple things here. Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father. The Philistines had stopped them up. And then the word says, he gave them the same names which his father had given them. So when we're reading scripture, how many of you know context is king? The, the scripture can't mean something to us today that it didn't mean to the original hearer. So it's important that we know context for, for where we're at in, in God's story here. And Isaac, of course, is the leader of God's people in this season. Isaac, of course, is one of the patriarchs of our faith, one of the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. Of course, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so this is Isaac's scene, and Isaac's turn to lead. And uh, in this day, Israel was experiencing famine in their land, and they couldn't stay in their land, and so they found themselves uh, displaced to a neighboring territory which was occupied by the Philistines. The, the funny thing is this had actually happened before. Under Abraham, Isaac's father, under Abraham's leadership, the same situation had happened. There was famine in the land, and Abraham led God's people to the land of the Philistines where they could temporarily live under a treaty and survive during famine. So Isaac's generation finds themselves again back in the land of the Philistines. Now, you might recognize the Philistines, of course, from you know, the famous encounter with uh, David and Goliath. This um, tribe of the Philistines, though, is often considered to be a, a different tribe of Philistines. Maybe not the warlike Philistines we see later in Scripture, uh, but more of a treaty-making, peacemaking uh, tribe of Philistines. When we're reading through Scripture here and you see the word Philistines, here's what I want you to think. I want you to think of people who are not God's people. In other words, a, a culture That is not God's culture. In other words, what's happening here is God's people, Israel, find themselves living as a nation among people who are not God's people in a culture that did not represent God's culture or or God's word. And um, they find it not all that different from today, amen, where where we as as God's people often find ourselves living among people in a world that's that that is often doesn't represent the word of God, the, the things of God, the culture of God. And so they find themselves here in the lands of the Philistines. The, the other thing that's important to note here is that they live in a desert. And how many of you know if you live in a desert, wells are important. Wells are pretty critical to survive. And so when Isaac's generation uh, uh, of Israel, uh, when they arrive back into this land, their first order of business is to redig the wells that had been dug by Abraham's generation. Now, in between Abraham and Isaac's generation in this land, the Philistines had filled in the wells. They had stopped up the wells. They had filled it in with earth, with trash, garbage. And so Isaac's first job, their first task was to redig the wells of their fathers. And then I just think it's really cool. It says they gave them the same names that their fathers had given them. In other words, they didn't try to make them cool, new, trendy 
more relevant. They said, we're going to call the wells the same things that our fathers called them. We're going to get back to some things. In Scripture, water is important. And water is important because often water in Scripture represents Jesus himself. In other words, Scripture describes Jesus as living water. John chapter 4 and verse 10, the famous encounter of Jesus and the woman at the well. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus referring to himself as living water. John chapter 7 and verse 38, it says this, this is Jesus again, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So, so catch this, not only is Jesus living water, but we as his people, we as believers are actually called to be carriers of the living water of Jesus. In other words, it's, it's like scripture shouting at us that our mandate, our call is to be carriers of the living water of Jesus to a world that desperately needs a drink. In other words, having a deep well in your life, having a deep well represents being a carrier of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see him. How many of you know God has perfectly positioned you in places and spaces that he's called you to occupy so that you can offer Jesus to those around you? God has perfectly positioned you in your workplace. He's perfectly positioned you at your gym, at those Little League games, in all the environments he's placed you in your circle of friends. God has placed you there to be a carrier of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see him. In other words, I believe in this hour we need more believers who have a deep well, who are carrying Jesus to a world that desperately needs a drink. But, but here's my premise for you today for our, our few minutes together. Here's my premise for you. When I look around the church in North America right now, if I'm honest with you, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of stopped up wells. I feel like I'm seeing a lot of wells that are filled in with debris and dirt and trash from surrounding culture. Beliefs that come from people that aren't God's people. Beliefs that come from a culture that doesn't always represent the culture of the kingdom of God. And I actually believe in this season God is calling us as believers to redig some wells in our lives, to get back to some things and not try to make them trendy, not try to make them cool, not try to make them new, but to actually get back to some things and call them the same names that our fathers called them. And be, be proud. In other words, be proud of our Christian heritage. Be proud. I have I have never been more proud in my life as I am right now to be a Christ follower. I have never been more proud to be a church builder. I have never been more proud to be a child of God. Hey, I know that the church isn't perfect, and, and hey, I'll even give you the fact our faith can be a little strange sometimes. Our faith can be a little weird sometimes. The word actually says that we are a peculiar people, but 
quite frankly, I'd rather our weirdness over the world's weirdness any single day. Like, uh, if you're in the room today and, and you're thankful to be a Christ follower, you ought to thank God right now that God has planted you in the church, that he's saved you, that he's called you, that he's brought you out of darkness into light. Like, that is your identity as a child of God. And our potency, though, as believers is not going to come from popularity. It's not going to come from relevance. It's not going to come from looking like the world. It's going to come from believers who have redug some wells, who have gotten in touch with who they are in Christ, who are seeing the Holy Spirit flow in their life. I believe that a confused world needs a powerful church. And I believe if we'll make commitments in this season to redig the wells of our faith, redig the wells in our lives, I believe that we'll see God use us in a very, very significant way. I'm going to put on the screen right now a list of some wells that I thought of when I was putting together these thoughts for you today. Some wells that I know I've often had to redig in my life. Why don't we put that up right now? Just take a look at this list for a minute. Maybe you can even find yourself somewhere on this list. I mean, take a look. The well of prayer. How many of you have ever needed to redig the well of prayer? in your life, the well of worship, the well of reading the Bible, the well of fasting. This is after Thanksgiving. Maybe someone needs to embrace that one in Jesus' name in your life. Uh, the, 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 the well of holiness, you know, not, not perfection, just, just the well of, of Jesus invading every part of your life, you know, being more like Jesus. The, the well of forgiveness and reconciliation our, our world desperately needs believers right now who are committed to what the bible calls the ministry of reconciliation just take a look at the list there, there's several there the well of honor we've talked about that in the series we just ended at velocity of the art of being blessable you know the well of honor the well of obedience we talked about the well of generosity J just think about it what wells do you need to redig in your life? Maybe that's your question this week for the Lord. Is Jesus, what, what wells are you asking me to redig? What wells have garbage in them right now, trash in them? What wells have been filled in by surrounding culture that you're calling me to rebuild? I believe if you'll ask the Holy Spirit, I believe he'll lead you. I believe he'll talk to you, even in this moment today. I believe he can show you some areas he's calling you back to. I want to offer you a couple as we wrap this up today. I want to offer you a couple of wells that I believe are particularly important for us in this season. A season that no doubt has its tensions and trials and challenges. Um, some wells that I think will really help us as we um, commit to these things today. The, the first well I want to talk about really fast is the well of being planted in the church. The well of being planted in the church. Psalm 92 and 13, one of my life verses, one of the verses I think I've, I've built my life on, that I've taken to God over and over again. It goes like this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Come on, even when they're 40, even in their old age, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will be fresh and flourishing. It's an interesting cultural phenomenon going on right now. It's called the great resignation. In other words, our culture is kind of in this process of, of reevaluating every area of our lives, our employment, our, wh where we live. You know, we're seeing people 
move across the country at rates we haven't seen in a long time. Um, millions of people quitting their jobs, looking for new employment or a, a different or a better career to be self-employed. And all of that's fine and good. But one place we can't afford to apply the great resignation to is to being planted in the house of God. One of the best decisions I have made that has blessed my family, that has blessed my life, that has kept, kept us stable in challenging and trying times has been being immovable and unshakable in the house of God. I, if you read in Psalm 92 and 13, it says this, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. In other words, the word planted is the word shethal, the Hebrew word shethal, which is the word planted with an emphasis on location. In other words, you can be planted anywhere, and everyone's probably planted somewhere, but the word here is saying when you're planted in the house of the Lord, not planted in the clubs, you know, not, not planted in social media, not planted, you know, at the gym. I mean, all those places are fine and good, but, but no, no, planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. The, the debris that gets filled into this well, uh, the well of being planted in the house of the Lord, the debris that gets filled in is the debris of self-authority. In other words, I can do it my own way. I can have church in my own house. I, I, don't, I don't need a pastor. I don't need a leader. I don't need to be accountable to other believers. I'm good. I'm good on my own. And we see too many believers right now disconnecting from the place that God has planted them out of convenience, out of ease. If anyone's watching us online today, I'm so thankful you are. I really am. I'm, I'm thankful that we're able to bring church to you. Maybe you're out of town. Maybe you're a family. God bless you. I'm so glad that you're with us today. But if this season finds you out of the house, if this season, if, if debris has been filled into this well, I pray right now the Holy Spirit would lead you and talk to you. And let me just issue you a clarion call to come back to the house that, that, that planted in the house with roots that go deep in the house. I believe if you'll return to that commitment, you'll see your life flourish. You'll see your life thrive and grow in the kingdom of God because of a commitment to redig this well, the well of being planted in the church. All right, number two, man, and I, I could spend the whole message just on this, the well of guarding our hearts. The well of guarding our hearts. It's kind of an old school term, right? I grew up in church hearing about that, guard your hearts. The Bible says with all diligence, but I believe it's something that is more true now than ever. Third uh, John 2 in the New American Standard, it says this, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And Proverbs 4 and 23, it says this, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows, look at this, the springs of life, the well, the springs of life. Guard your heart with all diligence. One of the things that's probably concerning me the most that I see happening in culture is the rapid decline in mental health, particularly among young people. Too many young people right now experiencing high levels of anxiety and depression. Um, we have a lot coming at us right now. It's not normal to turn on your TV every single day and see a death count and see a virus count. It's not normal to walk into a public space and wonder 
if being in that public space will end your life. Like that, that's not normal. It, social media has given rise to high levels of comparison, high levels of discontentment in, with, with, with our life, with the blessings God has given us. Social media is the town square of our day. It's, it's, where we, it's where we share, it's where we communicate, but we're living and we're leading in anxiety-filled times. But I do believe this. I believe that as a believer, one of the, the promises in the word that we can hold fast to is the promise to have peace that surpasses understanding. In other words, peace when it doesn't make sense to have peace. Peace that cuts right through the shipwreck seasons. Peace that, that cuts right through the noise and the chaos. Peace that maybe doesn't make sense because it comes from a source that is not ourselves. You see, Jesus, when, when Jesus is given names in the book of Isaiah prophetically, one of the names that Jesus is given is the Prince of Peace. We're going to talk about that a lot at Christmas time, the Prince of Peace. And here's what's interesting. Peace is not just something that Jesus brings. Peace is something that Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace. And I believe that Jesus can stride into your life. He can stride into your situation. He can offer you a path through the anxiety, through the depression. Like Jesus can do a new work in us, but you know what it takes? It takes a commitment on our part as believers to guard our hearts. I mean, if I had been with you in person this morning, I would have had to pass through a TSA screening in order to get on an airplane. That, that screening is to ensure that nothing gets on the plane that doesn't belong on the plane. And it's to ensure the safety of all the travelers on the plane. But I believe sometimes we spend more time going through security at the airport than we do guarding our own heart. And I just want to call some of us back to the, the commitment and the diligence to guard our heart. Uh, one thing I've started doing recently is I've started taking a social media Sabbath every single week. It is amazing what that has done. I've turned off certain notifications on my phone. I've taken control of my digital space, and I've seen peace return in some of those areas. The debris that gets filled into this well is the debris of FOMO, just, just fear of missing out, fear of you know, not knowing what's going on in someone's life, fear of not being able to communicate, not being noticed, not being approved. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a fresh work in this area of our life, but we have to return to redig the well of guarding our hearts in Jesus' name. And I'll close with this, number three, the well of the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to redig in our lives the well of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for someone this is the most important well for you to redig. We are Holy Spirit people. We believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples, he promised them a helper and a counselor. He promised them an advocate, someone who would be with him when he was not. I truly believe that a confused world needs a powerful church. And I believe that what will distinguish us in the days ahead is the power of the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us, but oftentimes that's a well we need to redig. The debris that fills in this well is the debris of self-sufficiency, that I'm good on my own. I can make it on my own. Um, can you imagine facing this season that we're facing without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit? I mean, can you, I can't even imagine facing what we've faced the last 18 or 20 months 
without knowing Jesus, but that's the condition that our world is in today. But we as the body of Christ, we as believers, we are faith people, we are Holy Spirit people. We can offer the world a drink they desperately need to receive, but that often will come through the distinguishing power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for you is that as you commit to redig the wells of your life and of your faith, that you would see Jesus do a new work. You, you would be filled again, filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. In fact, right now, all over the room or watching online today, I believe if, if, you'll, if you'll open up your heart, I believe if you'll give the Holy Spirit permission, because he is a gentleman and he waits for permission, but if you'll give the Holy Spirit some space and some permission, I believe he'll come and he will fill you and he will fuel you, he will refresh you, he will give strength to anyone who is weary. The, the, the word says that, that when we wait on the Lord, we renew our strength. That we mount up on wings like eagles, that we can run and not grow weary. And we can walk and not grow faint. I believe that can be our story. In Jesus' name. So